always felt like, uh, you know, they were always being watched. And we kind of froze, you know, we're kind of on guard anyways because we're in grizzly country and there's predators and the cougar and all that stuff. Uh, this one hunter came in, he was a Vietnam vet. So he set up on, on the hillside of this draw. And at some point during that uh, time, he started to focus in on what he thought was a big black stump. This stump stood up and screamed at him and took like three or four steps toward him. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Paranormal Portal Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Thomas. Thank you all for joining us. As always, it's a great pleasure to bring you guys these shows. And thank you to all of your uh, kind messages of support and for spreading the word, keeping us growing. And remember, if you've got an experience of your own and you'd like to be a guest on the show, please email me at paranormalportalradio at gmail.com. This is Bob Gimling, and you're listening to the Paranormal Porter. We've got an awesome show lined up for you guys tonight. I'm bringing on two seasoned uh, Bigfoot researchers and uh, also fans of the paranormal. They're going to be making a couple appearances, but this is their first appearance here on the portal. And it's my great pleasure to introduce to you all Mr. Nate Rudd and his son, Corey Rudd, who are founders and uh, active investigators of the Washington, Idaho Bigfoot Search WIBS group. So I uh, hope you guys are ready because this is going to be good. Nate and Corey, guys, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Well, thanks for having us, Brent. It's our pleasure, and uh, we appreciate you having us on. Yeah, yeah thanks, Brent. Happy oh. to be here. Excited to talk about it. Yeah, me too, guys. I I really appreciate it because, um, you know, of course, we well, a lot of times on the portal we talk about ideas, and we talk about things that are out there, um, but... It's a rare pleasure when we have the opportunity to have actual researchers, people that are going out there that are doing the work and, and, and looking for the evidence and such. And so I really appreciate you guys making the time for this to happen. Uh, I guess first and foremost, uh, and, and uh, Nate, if you want to go first, that'd be cool. Um, but how did you guys get involved in all of this? All right. Well, I'll tell you what, we, uh, we both had experiences but uh, I actually had a, an experience before Corey, and uh, we'd always kind of been interested in it, Brent. But and, and as Corey was growing up, um, you know, we, we were kind of in the paranormal, and uh, you know, we used to watch the old monster movies together. We were always into that kind of stuff. And uh, my wife's father was a hunting guide and uh, outfitter out of Idaho, just just on the other side of the Montana border. For quite a few years in the late 70s, early 80s, and he he had a lot of Bigfoot stories from that area. It was the North Fork of the Clearwater River, okay. way, way up um, 
it's it's uh, so you go through Superior and you head over Hoodoo Pass and you you climb up. You're you're on the Montana side. I think it's about six thousand feet up, and then it drops you over back into Idaho on the other side. And uh, there's a bunch of high mountain lakes up there: Heart Lake, Fish Lake. Um, just you know, you feel like you're in Jurassic Park. It's it's <laughs> it's super green. They get a ton of snow, a ton of rain. It really is like a, a rainforest, really. And anyway, so he had all these stories um, of just weird things that used to happen to him. They'd hear screams. They'd always feel like they had this one area where they kind of had to go through to get back to their camp, their hunting area. And they always felt like, uh, you know, they were always being watched. Like the hair would stand up and get goosebumps. And mm-hmm. and like I said, they'd hear weird things, just got an eerie feeling. So they, they had this one area where they kind of avoided it, actually, because they all had kind of real scary kind of encounters in there. I don't know that anybody ever actually saw one until uh, this one hunter came in. He was a Vietnam vet this one year. I don't know exactly what year. It was early 80s, I believe. He uh, he wanted to hunt this over by this area I was just telling you about. And, uh, you know, Dave tried to kind of talk him out of it and he kind of told him what, what had happened, some of the experiences. And he said, oh, we just kind of, we especially don't like to come out of there at night, right? Because it's mm-hmm. super thick and and, uh, you know, if you had to get out of there quick in an emergency, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be fun at all. And this guy found out. So this guy, he said, I, I, I'm not afraid of nothing. I want to go in and hunt this little draw in there. And, uh, so he said, okay, be careful, whatever. And the guy went in and set up, he, they were elk hunting. So he set up on, on the hillside of this draw. And at some point during that, uh, time, of him sitting there, he, he started to focus in, he kind of got, I guess, a weird feeling. He started to focus in on what he thought was a big black stump down below, kind of in the draw and the thick stuff. Mm-hmm. And he just kept looking at the stump. And after a period of time, this stump stood up and screamed at him and took like three or four steps toward him and screamed again. And you can imagine, I mean, this guy flipped and, uh, and, and we only know this because my father-in-law caught up to him a week later. He left the camp Oh wow! At, at, once he, so this thing I'll back up. So the stump stood up, screamed at him. He, he freaked out, started running back towards camp. And like I said, it's super thick. There's <laughs> we've, we've been in and out of there many times and you have to really be careful. You could snap an ankle real easy. There's a lot of deadfalls, um, it's old growth forest cedars and stuff. So you, I'm sure, you know, your viewers, some of them have been in thick forest like that. So this guy, I mean, he's hightailing out of there as fast as he can, tripping over stuff. This thing's behind him the whole time, screaming, breaking trees. Um, so he runs, it's probably a good mile, mile and a half back to camp, believe it or not. And he ran about halfway back to camp and there's an old tree stand. It's still there, but it's all broken up. You can't really climb in it anymore. Mm-hmm. He climbed up in this tree stand and was checking his bullets to see how many bullets he had. And he only had a few. And I guess he decided, Hey, I'm not going to stick around here. I'm out of here. The, and the thing was, was still making noise down below him. Um, I think if the thing wanted to have him, it probably could have killed him obviously. But sure. so he, uh, went the rest of the way back to camp and, you know, everyone else was out hunting. This was, it wasn't dark or anything yet. And he jumped in his truck and took off. Wow. And so, you know, all the hunters got back later and, and they knew he'd left because his truck was gone. So they knew, you know, obviously if his truck was still there, they'd be worried and have to look for him. But, uh, long story short, uh, my father-in-law tracked him down 
a week later or so and said, hey, Farrell, what the hell, you know, what the hell happened? You just took off. And he goes, Dave, I saw a Bigfoot and I thought it was going to kill me and I'll never go back there. Wow. And he told him, you know, the story. So um, that's the big story coming out of that area. And it happened to one of his hunters. So, you know, it's pretty close to home. Yeah. And then um, uh, there's, a, there's a game warden that patrolled on horseback up there for 30 years. His name's Gene Eastman. And you can actually look the guy up. He wrote a book called The Bitterroot Crossing. He chronicled Lewis and Clark's expedition through the Bitterroots there. Oh, wow. And they actually went through that area close by there. And anyways, he uh, he became friends with my father-in-law over the years. He'd come in and check, you know, check the hunter's licenses and more just to, just for company because he was up there on horseback camping all summer or all, all hunting season, I should say. Mm-hmm. And they became friends. And, and so Gene had some stories, too. I mean, the guy's been up there you know, for years and years on horseback. And I don't know if you ever saw one and I couldn't recall all the stories off the top of my head, but he talked about screams from ridge to ridge where they'd communicate and they'd like close the distance and they'd stop at night, like late at night when it's dark. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I guess where I'm going with this is we heard all these stories from Dave, you know, when Corey was a kid and, and stuff, and I was always interested in it. And uh, we never went out and looked for it or anything like that. But one, uh, one night up at Priest Lake about eight years ago, uh, it was about, I don't know, 10, 30, 11 at night. Everyone had kind of gone in the cabin, and I was out there with my brother-in-law, Chris, my wife's brother. And we'd been watching the shows, kind of getting into it and stuff a little bit. And just out, I, I don't know, on a whim, I said, hey, Chris, why don't we, I'm not tired. Let's let's go out for a night hike and look for Bigfoot. I may have been half joking, honestly. <laughs> he kind of looked at me funny. And he said, really? I'm like, yeah, why not? Let's go, you know? And so anyways, we went up to the ancient cedar forest, the Roosevelt Groves up there north of Priest. It's kind of parallel with Upper Priest Lake up there on the Idaho side of the border. Okay. And um, and so we, pre- we grabbed our backpacks, our flashlights, a couple firearms, sidearms, and we, we drove up there. And of course, there's no one there. We probably didn't get up there till 1130 at night. It's a pretty good, maybe a 45-minute drive around the lake from where we were to get way up there on the other side. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, we proceeded to hike up in the dark. It's probably, I don't know if you've ever been there, Brent, but it's probably, gosh, it's got to be at least a mile, mile, mile and a half, maybe two in there uphill. It's not, it's not a real steep hike, but, and, uh, we hiked up in there somewhere about halfway up there. Uh, we had a rock thrown at us oh, wow. just out of, out of nowhere. And, and it was a fairly good sized rock. It made a good thud, hit the ground in front of us and rolled, rolled to our left down the hill and we kind of froze, you know, we're kind of on guard anyways, because we're in grizzly country and there's predators and, and cougar and all that stuff. But sure. we we both froze, like just, we didn't have our lights on. We were trying to keep our lights dim. We might've had a headlamp on one of us. We usually just try to use one, you know, so we don't create a lot of light. And uh, we froze and I heard Chris rack around in his pistol <laughs> and we're just sitting there. We I don't know how long we stood there in the dark, just staring at the hillside, mm-hmm. kind of frozen. And, uh, you know, your, your brain wants to go to, you want to try to debunk it. Like what do we just spook an elk or a moose or a deer? Right. And, you know, the, the, the hillside to our right where it came down was real rocky. There's a bunch of rocks on the hillside. And, um, 
that nothing ran off. We didn't hear anything running away, but it sounded like a rock being thrown. You know, it wasn't a rock that kind of fell and rolled down and like that. You know, it was like through the air, boom, landed in front of us, rolled in front of us. So, oh wow, yeah, I think everyone knows what a rock being thrown like and hit hitting the ground sounds like, but that's what it was. <laughs> and so, of course, then we're we're pretty pretty on guard. You know, kind of I guess you could say a little scared on you know watching our our backside and. So we pushed through that and we hiked all the way into the bottom of the cedars there and sat down. And I think I did my first call ever. Like, I didn't know what I was doing, Brent, but <laughs> we'd, we'd watch some of the shows. I know it sounds dumb, but sure. I let out a scream and almost immediately we heard a distant scream and then a crash. Like it sounded, uh, the best way I can describe it is it sounded like a, a big tree being smashed against another tree. It was so loud down in there. Oh, my God. And, and it was a calm night. There was no you know rain or wind or anything. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, that'll get your attention at, like, 1230 at night. <laughs> and, you know, I should mention, too, there was no one else down below because when we drove up, <clears throat> there is a small parking lot at the Roosevelt Groves there. But there was no cars there at midnight or 1230. And uh, so we knew there was no other humans up there anywhere around. And it's, it's, it's a remote spot up there. You know, you're all, you're real close to Canada, Sure. real thick old gross cedar forest. So that was our very first experience, the rock throw, the crash, the scream. And we were kind of hooked. I, I was hooked. I'll tell you that. And then, you know, I went back and we, we hiked out of there, went home, you know, I, I guess that was the end of that story, but I told Corey and, and so he wanted to go, and then we planned a trip to the, the North Fork of the Clearwater because we wanted to explore and learn more, right, when something like that happens to you. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of how we got started. And we've been making that that other trip to the Clearwater once a year for a whole week. We go out, and we, we, we're kind of hardcore. We hike in and camp and hike further, and we go real remote and stuff. But, uh, you know, Corey could probably tell you some stories about that, too. And then Corey started our group. It was his idea. Corey, you could probably take it from there. The Paranormal Portal will return after these messages. I was kind of on the fence at this point in my life. I'd seen spirits, so I'm pretty open-minded about things. So I wasn't completely closed off to the possibility. We were up actually at Sullivan Creek one one night, and we were doing like a weekend investigation, and um, a lot happened that weekend actually too. We found a structure that we couldn't explain, and that night I heard gibberish talking outside my tent in the middle of the night. Oh wow! Um, and it was kind of a stormy weekend. It was it was like raining really hard. Rain was pelting our tent that night. Um, and it was funny the next morning after, cause I, when I heard the gibberish talking, I was, it, I woke up, I don't know why I woke up and I was kind of just listening, heard the gibberish talking. And you know, that feeling when your heart's pounding out of your chest, <laughs> that's what it was like. Oh man. And I didn't yell out to my dad because I, at this time, this was after, and I'll get into the North Fork, my North Fork experience, but I already believed at this time, you know? And so I wanted to listen. You know, you, you know, your first instinct is you kind of want to yell out. So he wakes up. But at the same time, I wanted to kind of just 
see what happens, like experience it kind of. Sure. And so my heart's pounding on my chest. I'm sitting there listening. Nothing else happens. And I get up the next morning and I mentioned the first thing I mentioned, you know, that's the first thing I tell my dad when, when we wake up. And of course he had, <laughs> he had something happening too oh, that really? same night. Okay. Uh, and, uh, he was paralyzed. He said, and he couldn't yell out to me, but he was wide awake. Um, that's more of his story. I mean, he could probably tell you, tell you a better story about that. Um, but it, it coincided, you know, I didn't think to check my phone cause I didn't want to make any noise. Right. So I, we couldn't parallel, we couldn't like say it was exactly at the same time, but you kind of make the connection, you know? Yeah. I guess, you know, but the North Fork experience. So at this time it was after his experience at Priest Lake and he, he's like, Hey, let's take a week. Let's go out there and go into Boogeyman Gulch. You know, that's what they called it is Boogeyman Gulch. And, um, we go up there and it's, it's, we, we decided at like, I'd say midnight to go. So there's, to explain it, there's a hunting camp on a ridge and then a, a creek down below. And then there's another ridge on the other side. And we, the day before we hiked in there in the middle of the day. And like how Nate explained, like you could break an ankle at any time out there. It's so it's like the most dense forest you could imagine. It's dang, it's kind of dangerous. And like even across the creek, you have to take off your shoes. Otherwise, your feet are just going to get, you know, soaking wet. Mm-hmm. And there's jagged rocks and stuff. I mean, it's it's nowhere someone would be in the middle of the night on the other side of that ridge, basically, is what I'm getting at. So we're, at, we're hiking the ridge. There's a trail you can take that I think goes forever. Um, we were hiking that trail on the side of the hunting camp. And I, at this time, like I believed, but I wasn't, I was kind of on the fence at this point in my life, you know, I, I've seen spirits, so I'm pretty open-minded about things. So I wasn't completely closed off to the possibility. Um, and we're out there and we stop at one point on this trail. We probably, I bet we'd walked maybe a mile and a half, maybe down this trail. And my dad lets off a scream and we're, immediately on the other side of the ridge we hear a woof and then you could tell there was multiple whoops like ones right across from us and then like you could tell that the distance it was down on the another part of the ridge like another whoop oh man and immediately you know that's intelligent they're communicating and so we're like oh my we all looked at each other like wide-eyed like we couldn't believe this was happening like we weren't expecting it, you know? And yeah. Uh, so my dad lets off a whoop and then sure enough, they, they sound off again on that other side of that ridge. And he did it. I think they did it three times. And then my dad did it a fourth time and then nothing. And that's when we started to get freaked out and we, we had firearms on us and stuff, but all you got is a headlamp out there. Sure. You know? Yeah. And my uncle, who's an avid outdoorsman, but he's even more outdoorsman than we are, you know. I I could see him on that show alone or something, you know. He can do all the survival stuff. Okay. He was most freaked out out of all of us. And he's like, guys, like, they could be closing in on us right now. We gave him our location. Like, we're not close to the 
where you, you know, there's a road that kind of a dead end road. You stop your, your vehicle at, and then you hike in like, we're not close to that. Like we're just basically sitting, if they want to, they could easily take us out, you know? Right. So (laughs) we, I mean, that freaked us all out and we kind of boogied it out of there. You know, once we stopped getting responses, cause they, which makes sense if they knew where we were. Yeah, um, that's pretty intimidating. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. It was amazing. And that hooked me. I mean, that was that, and just the, the idea. I've you know I've told people about it, and it's it's honestly skeptics are kind of frustrating, you know. Sure. But it is what it is. You know, I I feel like a lot of a lot of skeptics don't. It's kind of ignorance in a way. Like they don't do their own research. That's what I've noticed. Like all they've seen is maybe the Patterson Gimlin film, right? And then even at that first impression response to it, mm-hmm. and that's it. But they have this strong opinion that they don't exist, which doesn't make sense to me. You know, like yeah. go out there yourself and look for it. You know, exactly. And we run into that, of course, on the show all the time. Is there's those people that they 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 just don't want to believe is what it breaks down to because. You know, to take to take anything, uh, and and a lot of times those those same people will talk about science. Well, you know, it's it's just science, science, science. Well, anything for it to be truly scientific, you have to allow for all possibilities. You know, any yeah. of them until you can unequivocally remove them through testing and through you know uh, experimentation. Well. You know, so far, nobody, as Wes says, nobody's got one in the garage. You know, they're not studying them. They, you know, so everything is is all ideas. But you guys, being active outdoorsmen, you know the sounds that should be there, and and when something yeah. like that happens, you you know that that doesn't fit with your experience. Right. Yeah. The biggest thing that gets me probably the most is, you know, all these experiences probably just saw a bear. <laughs> that is like my pet peeve because I've been out there. We, we've been at, we're, we believe in Bigfoot and we've been out at the North Fork and I'll tell you, we at our base camp, which isn't up by that hunting camp, but it's a little bit of a drive. I'd say 15 minute drive or something from that, the hunting camp. And I was, we were kind of getting, it was getting darker, we kind of getting ready to go in our tents and, but you could still, there was still a little bit of daylight so you could see, you know, mm-hmm. and I was going to the bathroom just, like taking a whiz and I was in between I saw a black bear and I knew it was a black bear immediately. And this is like, you know, like I said, getting kind of dark, like, and I was, I was actually pretty scared because no one was armed. We weren't, we weren't ready for that. You know, I think I was in my long johns and (laughs) as close to me as Nate and my uncle Chris were the other opposite direction. I'm like, Hey guys, (laughs) Like bear, oh no! You know, yeah, that's pretty. I mean, that was pretty scary. But it's you know when you see a bear, especially if you've been out in the woods. I mean, it's pretty easy to know what animals are out there, what like what you're seeing. You know. Yeah, I think so too. What were you going to say, Nate? Oh, I was just going. to I don't want to uh, keep going on that story too long. But the the neat thing about that encounter, Corey told you about with the whoops, is it was late at night, and what we've learned, Brent from about eight years of doing this is if you go up where you know they're at in an area where there's been sightings and encounters and you, you go on a hike late at night and you just sit there and you be quiet for a while and then say maybe midnight, 1230, you throw out a scream 
And, and you got to, I got, it's hard to, I, I want your audience to know that th- these, this is a remote, remote spot we're talking about. I mean, the last place you could park a car is probably a couple miles from where we were. And it's an old overgrown skitter trail that goes up the ridge. So, but what we, what we do is we'll throw out a scream like midnight, midnight or something. And especially in that North Fork area, it almost works every year. In fact, I think only one year we didn't get anything, but you'll get a, you'll get a response almost every time late at night. Cause you take them off guard and you'll get a scream on one Ridge and then another one will sound off on the opposite Ridge. It's like, and, and the cool thing about that experience is I did a scream like a blood curdling. I have kind of a blood curdling high pitched scream. I do uh, like late at night, like I'm telling you, and this thing across the ridge did a whoop. I mean, the classic whoop like that. Wow. So it didn't even copy what I, it didn't copy what I did. It wasn't even close. And that's what made it so real to me is it whooped. And then I whooped back to it three times and it answered three times every time. <laughs> and then that fourth time it, it just stopped. It got silent. And, and that's kind of when we, you know, looking back on it, that was early on when we were doing it. I wish we would have stuck it out there, mm. but you know, you never know. It's, I think there's some danger in, in this too, but, yeah. um, I, I'm, I'd like to say that we're not the kind of group that'll just run away every time something happens, you know? Sure. But, uh, we, we definitely had a, a weird feeling and maybe a feeling like they were trying to surround us or locate us or. Right. So, and, but yeah, what an experience that was. And, and the cool thing was Corey was there with me. It was his first experience and Chris was there and we all, we all heard it and witnessed it together and our jaws were on the dirt. <laughs> when it happened it was it was yeah. neat i wish was, and, and here's the other thing we we weren't as experienced there and so of course we didn't have a recorder so we didn't record it you know i kicked myself for that but since then we've learned i always have a, a camera and a recorder and stuff sure wow but uh, yeah so that's a neat area up there there's a go ahead core yeah i would just say in all honesty like we do it it's it's a thing that we do together you know and it's it's more about I don't think our main goal is to go out there and prove it to everyone that they exist. I mean, it's more of just like an experience that we can do together and, you know, capture what we can, but, um, it's just a fun thing to do. And it's where I think we're more out to just validate it for ourselves. Now I'm from Minnesota. I'm a, I'm a Minnesota transplant and, and have been out here seven years now, but I'll tell you one of the first things that floored me, was how you can be in these forests and it and it feels like night even if it's in a summer day and 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 like light just gets swallowed up they're very dark forests and i mean you could hide a t-rex 15 feet away it it just gets that dense and that thick and i i don't think most people can understand that unless you've actually set foot in these forests how 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 you know how how out there you can get and how far away and, and then when you think about, you know, someone just, oh, there was just someone playing a prank on you is a big one. That's a big comeback from skeptics. Oh, somebody's just playing with you. Well, up in these forests, there's not someone anywhere near a lot of times. In, there, it's like in, in a lot of states, there's towns everywhere and there's communities everywhere. You know, you go five minutes and you'll hit another town. Up here, you can go, you know, quite a distance and never see a house. It's really something. Yes. Especially where we we're going, Brent. We we make an effort to go off the grid. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's way out there. Even even if you go up to the, the Cedar Forest, like we were talking about earlier. I mean, 
there's some houses in Nordman going up there along the lake, but once you hit that dirt road up there on the west side of Priest, I mean, you're there's no cell service, nothing. You're up there. You know, you might pass a car once in a while or see another hiker, you know, at the at the Cedar Forest during the day or something, but it's you know, it, it's kind of hard to relate uh, to an audience of how remote these places are, really. Yeah. I just want to make a point of that because you know, when you're out there that deep, especially the North Fork area I was telling you about, mm-hmm. and you hear someone's something's whooping at you, and you know there's no other humans <laughs> across that ridge. There's no <laughs> access to it. Right. And that's another thing. Another another argument skeptics have is, oh, there's no way they can hide. Are, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Look, if you hike up to the east side of Priest on the any of those mountains up there, mm-hmm. and we've done it before, and look over the other side, as far as the eye can see is forests with no access roads nothing yeah i mean it is so is so vast there's millions and millions of acres of unexplored forest a lot of places probably man has never set foot yeah yeah exactly you know yeah so uh, to me it's not that hard to imagine yep no i think you're absolutely right and i and i think i think that 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 really does lend a lot of credibility to your experiences as well i mean there's a lot of uh people that go out and, and they go to you know to a forest but it may be a forest that's still within a really habited area but where you guys are going i mean you're all alone that's it (laughs) yeah exactly that was another thing that boggled my mind when i moved up here is there's many places where gps won't even work it's like wow exactly (laughs) this is really remote and you know and there's another side of the coin even to that brent what we've talked about is uh, um, a lot of people also don't realize that they're really all around us um, at our old house in the Spokane Valley, we lived South Valley. Um, there's a there's a mountain called Micah Peak. There's Big Rock. There's Signal Point. There's encounters and, and eyewitness accounts up on those mountains. And I could see oh, those sure. from my front door. Mm-hmm. And then I moved uh, North Valley is where I'm at now. And there's, there's a peak called Antoine Peak. And there's actually some sightings and encounters on the east side of Antoine Peak. Mm-hmm. And there's been sightings in Spokane along the Spokane River over the years, you know. Sure. So, you know, they are deep out there too, but mm-hmm. they're also closer than people think. Yeah. They probably get bored and they want to come in and take a look at us once in a while, you know. We're probably their entertainment. Right. But um and and I should probably- Yeah, if you if you actually drill down on the reports, you'll you'll find that they're a lot closer than than people realize. Yeah. I want to, I want to clarify the, and, and I, I do agree with you a hundred percent. Um, you know, we share a lot of stories on the show and, and a lot of the places people are experiencing them are not far out from towns and communities. The reason, the reason that I was pointing that out is because uh, a lot of people will fall back to the whole idea that someone else is out there. They're just playing with you. And, and I think from, uh, from, establishing that the 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 experiences you had were legitimate being out in those remote places really makes the idea that someone was just screwing with you uh, remote if if not completely impossible yeah right yeah so. and then you have all those stories that we were telling you about the eyewitness that got chased out thought he was going to die yeah. so this this area is that exact area so then you have something like what happened to us happened right there. It validates all those other stories yep. that we heard over the years sure. for us. Yeah. Like our so. ghost or my ghost experiences mm-hmm. with my family, you know, it's the same type of validation in a different way, but sure. Yeah, absolutely. We kind of name theory too, Brent, and it's just a theory, right? Cause we don't know, but 
we've always kind of thought maybe that people that are more um, sensitive, because I know there there are a lot of tribes that believe they were spiritual, and even my my grandfather, the guy that was warning his you know the hunting guy to not go in that area, he even thinks they're spiritual, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. And we think that they might know you know they're there in a sense. They might they might have some ability where they can mm-hmm. pick up on that and then you're more likely to have an experience because it seems like, you know, 70 maybe 65% of the time there's something that happens. You know, yes. I mean even when we went out to the North Fork this last year, we heard we did we did a night hike and got a scream, we got the callbacks. And we also the next day we were we went pretty far into Boogeyman, you know, the gulch where the guy was chased out. We went and saw the tree stand. We sat in there a while. And we, we actually went up on this ridge. We were sitting there for a while, just kind of relaxing. And we decided, okay, it's time to let's go back to camp. And we were walking down the ridge, and my uncle Chris spotted an asterisk symbol made out of sticks out there. So we came back from lunch and there was this tree, probably a good 15 foot tree. It was laid across the path to our hunting camp. where we were there's no trails at that point you know you're just out in the bush that was crazy and we took pictures of it i don't know if you've seen that i haven't no you know as much as nate stresses the remoteness it makes it even more weird because it is clearly intentional and made by hands you know that's really powerful yeah on other occurrences nate's found alder bushes like is that what you called it nate and alder bush yeah right that are all woven woven together woven um, so then you find stuff like that out there and that's even more validating, you know? Yeah, so. that's really powerful. I, I think this is really powerful and I, and I think you're right. I, I think there's, there's a lot to these, these beings and I, I don't want to call them creatures because I think there is a lot more to them and it, and it's hard to understand what that means, but you're right. I think they know they, they, and some people attribute it to, well, you know, if someone came in your living room, you'd know they were there. Well, their living rooms could be, you know, a thousand acres, we but they still seem to always be aware or to, you know, at least anecdotally, people seem to think that, yeah, they know you're there and they're watching. And, and, and maybe that does suggest there's a lot more going on than just this creature roaming the forest, that maybe it has a lot more ability or at least is aware of things that we're not, you know, what do you guys think of that? Yeah, I think the biggest I think the biggest thing for me in that aspect is the feeling of dread people get. Yes, I, that's something that's hard to really, really hard to nail down and explain. Mm-hmm. And I I refer back to like even spiritual experience, like experience of spirits and stuff. You know, if, if there's something demonic or. Oh, sure. Just that feeling, overwhelming feeling of dread that people get. You know, my I think grand, my, our Nate's father-in-law, my grandpa, I think he had that. Mm-hmm. And that's why he said that to the hunter. Yeah. You yeah. know? 
and there's a lot, if you like really listen to all the encounters, I mean, you wouldn't think someone would have that just seeing like an upright being, but they do. Yeah. There's, I think to me personally, maybe not everyone, but that's the most convincing to me that there's something more to them. Why would they give you that feeling of dread and terror? I, I was talking to a coworker. I'm not going to name her name just out of respect, but just a few weeks ago, she was out with her husband. Um, I forgot. It was somewhere in Idaho. I posted it on our page. Um, I could probably find it actually real quick, mm-hmm. but they're out. I'll just, they're, they're out in Idaho and her husband wanted to just view, go over some, um, fields because I think he was just planning for hunting and stuff. I think they were looking for elk to see the, just see if they could see elk. Mm-hmm. And she had that feeling of dread Ooh. and she didn't know why she didn't want to get out of the car. And then she finally kind of got the, you know, the courage to get out with her baby. Mm-hmm. And she's that feeling immediately came over her and she saw what looked like pixelation watching her kind of just a little bit out in the tree line. Wow. They got back in our car, you know? Yeah. But she shared it with me cause she knew I was into that stuff. And I've, we, I obviously at work, you know, you end up running out of things to talk about. So you, <laughs> you do talk about the experiences you hear about and stuff. And sure. Yeah. She shared that with me and said I could share it on our page and stuff, but wow. it's that feeling of dread that really interests me a lot. But you know, in the, in the first nations would always were, well, at least several tribes referred to them as having great medicine or great power. And that wasn't just a physical representation. They were, they were considered very spiritually powerful by the first nations. Uh, and, and so perhaps that's what it means. What that means is, is that they, they do have this different, I don't know, energy or, or presence to them. That's just so, so much bigger than what we're, when, what we're used to, or, Maybe it awakens, you know, and I, I know what you're talking about when you're talking about that feeling of dread. Uh, it comes up all the time. And I think that, I think everybody's probably experienced that to some degree or another. And I think that that's some kind of latent ability maybe in us to, you know, that we're around something dangerous, but you're right. Um, that comes up all the time that people would just, we're just walking along, everything was fine. And then all of a sudden, Boom. It was like something descended, like an energy just descended over the area and they just felt really uncomfortable and really want to get out of there. Like right now, that's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And they say you should listen to your gut on that too. I, you know, there's so much to this brand and there's other things too, like the way they manipulate game cams and cameras and Mm. the way they stay hidden, the way they disappear. Um, what else you you just when you've been doing this a while and you've had a lot of experiences the big one if we have time i can talk about uh briefly and i don't have to do right the second but my hunting camp encounter that's when it really changed things for me when we got terrorized out of hunting camp in 2017 in squaw valley on the washington side sure of idaho but uh we uh you know, it, just not being able to see them, you hear growls outside your tent. There's loud, super loud what sounds like tree knocks mm-hmm. behind your tent at 2, 3 in the morning. You run out of the tent. You can't see. Nothing's running. You don't hear anything run away. You can't see anything. We've got super powerful flashlights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stuff like that, you just scratch your head, and it's really hard to pin down. But I believe these things have special abilities. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean just 
ways that we, we don't understand the right. way they, they do things. Sure. Um, like Ron Moorhead says it's quantum, quantum physics and stuff, but, sure. um, yeah, they're just, there's so many unknowns, unknowns. And that to me is the mystery of that just keeps me searching. And, and I think there is a danger. You have to be careful. There's a danger aspect to this too. Yeah. Um, not just of predators in the woods, but I think if you piss them off, you could get into some trouble. And I think that's what we did in that hunting camp encounter in 2017. But, um, I think like Corey nailed it earlier, we, we call it being tagged. Once they know, we believe that once they know that, you know, that they're there and where they're at, they, they'll mess with you more. And, and if you're open, open-minded, you know, and, and like Corey said earlier, I think we're a little bit sensitive because we both seen spirits and mm-hmm. um, felt things like that in our old house. And, and I have a history in my family of, of not like, um, what do they call them? They're not um, mediums, but they just uh, ESP and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, sure. Real sensitive to stuff like that. So yeah. I think if you're open-minded, you're more likely to have some experiences out there. Sure. A lot of people close that off. I think we're all gifted with that, but the way the world is today, we just or they kind of dumb us down a little bit, don't they? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, 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 and I just want you to, to know, I'd love to hear that story, so feel free to take whatever time it takes. Okay. Okay, yeah, I'll tell you real quick. Um, I've, I've, I'm sure some, well, I don't know if some, your fans have heard it, but I've told it a few times since 2017 on a few different shows. But, um, so me and my buddy, Rob, he's one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. We've been hunting together for years and, uh, the last seven, eight years now we've been going to the same spot. It's, it's called Squaw Valley. I'll, I'll just tell you where it is. It's a big area. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Um, over the years it's gotten a little more crowded. So, um, you know, but when we first started going up there, it was it was really nice because you just rarely see people because it's on the you have to go into the Priest Lake Highway 57 side and cut in through Washington about seven miles. And it's a big valley. It's actually the upper West Branch Priest River. It looks like a big creek. It runs through the valley there. But the first few years we or I've been going up there for years, but the first few years we were hunted up there. You, know, you hardly ever run into a hunter, maybe one or two here and there, because to get on that side, you have to go to Priest Lake. Mm-hmm. You, you almost have to. I think there's some roundabout ways, but it takes a long time. So most guys go on the that are hunting in Washington go on the Washington side. So it, once you cross that ridge, then it's pretty crowded on the other side. But mm-hmm. anyways, we, we did this every year. We, we go in. We take a week off work. It's a whole week-long hunting camp. So this particular year in 2017, we – you know, just like normal, we went in, we set up camp. It takes a good couple hours. My buddy has a, or he had, I think he sold it, but he had a big canvas tent, big hunting tent where you could fit like probably four guys in it, but it was just me and him. And, uh, you know, we might have a little lunch and maybe go out and hunt that evening the first night. Well, the first night rolled around and got back from hunting. And I kind of always start my trips out this way, but I, I did a couple knocks on it. I think like three quick knocks on a tree really loud. And I might have let out a scream. I can't remember, but and nothing happened, you know. And we really never had anything too crazy happen there. We we thought we'd heard some mumbling or talking a couple of years in the field, but you know, not enough to to have a story about it. So um, you know, everything was fine that night. We woke up, uh, went hunting the next morning, got up early, and about midday, we you know, once in a while we'll come back for lunch midday if we have a slow day or something. Um, so we came back from, from lunch and there was this tree, probably a good 15 foot tree. Um, probably I'd say three inch diameter, 
maybe four inches at the most um, trunk on this tree. It was laid across the path to our hunting camp where you, where you drive in. And uh, it was just weird because we'd, we'd come back from lunch and it wasn't there when we left. And there was we hadn't seen anybody all week, Brent. Uh, this week was really slow. This is um, kind of rare not to see anybody. but And you can hear a car coming in for, for a long ways. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we thought it was really odd. But the thing about this tree is um, we parked the rig and I jumped out to look at it. I walked over to it. I picked it up and it was pretty heavy, had a big old – and I've got pictures of all this I can send you. And they're on our page, by the way, if, if your audience wants to go to the WIBS page. Um, and anybody can go there and like that page and see that. It's it's not the group. It's the page. So it's just our stuff on there. I've got all these photos there. It's the hunting camp encounter. So I picked up this tree. A bunch of dirt fell off. It was heavy. And I had a big root, root ball on it. Wow. And the thing I noticed right away is there was no dirt trail drag marks. of Like, it was heavy enough to where, you know, you're not going to, like, pull it from somewhere and and uh carried in if, if someone did that they'd just be dragging it in to lay it down right and then the other part of that too is have you ever tried to pull a little sapling out of your yard or oh, even a big God. weed yeah but you know how hard that is yeah. well this thing and once you like i said the pictures do it justice but the the force it would take the superhuman strength it would take to pull this out of the ground this root ball is just i mean i can't even imagine it and so this thing was basically placed across the entrance of our camp uh, like I said, no dirt drag marks. When I picked it up, all the dirt fell off of it. So it was carried in from somewhere. And we spent about 30 minutes looking in both tree lines along the path there, trying to find out where this thing came from. We never could find out. We never saw a hole anywhere or anything. So I knew something was up there. And of course, you know, I'm thinking Bigfoot all the time and in, in the back of my head. Sure. So that's kind of where I probably went with it right away. My buddy was a skeptic at the time. He's not anymore. <laughs> so Let's see. Then uh, we we started hearing knocks, Brent, like off in the distance, quite a ways away, just distant knocks. And that was that first night or the second night. I'm sorry. And then basically each day we were there and it's we go from Saturday to Saturday. So this must have been Sunday night. I'm telling you about the next day. We, we again, we get up early to go hunting. And that day we stayed out all day. Uh-huh. Um, we didn't come back for lunch. So we came back after dark. And we, we came down the path, turned into our camp, and immediately I saw to my left a giant tree, like a 30-foot green tree was pushed over right, almost hit our camp table in our camp. Oh, my God. And I thought, oh, my, we're like, what the hell, you know? And this thing was fresh. And again, I have pictures of this, too. Um, so it was, you know, we're, we're hitting it with our flashlights, tr- trying to figure out, you know, and it was there was no storm, no wind, nothing. And... Um, I took some good pictures of it the next day and this thing was snapped off at the base, right at the dirt. You could see where the roots were and this thing was healthy wood. You could see it, you know, it was all green, big old pine tree. Oh my! And you could see where the roots pulled away from each other. The actual roots underground pulled away from the tree itself, like just snapped off, ripped off. Wow. And I can't imagine the strength that would take to do that. And then, um, you know, so that was pretty freaky we were we were definitely i was getting a little worried you know i mean when trees are falling in your tents right there you know you start thinking are they going to push one over on our tent at night when we're sleeping right that starts to go through your mind and so um you know now we're on edge big time and we (laughs) we go to bed that night it was probably fairly late and then the wood knock started where we'd we'd hear them across this field i told you it was a valley running through there Uh uh-huh and one would sound off over there, and then another one would sound off in our tree line, where because we're in another tree line by the the old dirt road, and so 
we're thinking, wow, this is, and this is in the middle of the night, waking us up and stuff pretty loud. Yeah. And every night it got louder. It got more intense. So basically we, we felt a pressure to leave. Like I, I, I know they, I think I pissed them off maybe when I did that initial, the knocks and the scream, there was one in the area maybe, okay. or maybe they've been there. I don't know. So, um, like I said, each night got worse and it must've been the fourth or fifth night I was sleeping middle of the night. Don't even know what time it was. Mm-hmm. I heard a loud, low growl right outside the tent, uh, the corner of my head. You know, my, my head was in the corner of the tent and, uh, you know, I woke up immediately and I, at first I thought, did I dream that? You know, cause we're out, we're on, we're on edge. We've multiple times we're running out of the tent each night trying to see if we can see anything, never saw anything. Uh Um, So I wake my buddy Rob up. I said, Rob, there's growling outside the tent, you know? Yeah. And uh, he wakes up. Or no, it happened. I'm sorry. Before I woke him up, it happened again because I wanted to make sure I wasn't dreaming it. Sure. So it happened again loud, like probably seven, eight feet from my head outside the tent, (laughs) like a deep guttural, you know, real deep growl. And then I woke him up and it happened two more times which I'm thankful for because he got to hear it. It wasn't just me, <laughs> you know, losing my mind. Sure. And I mean, we're sitting up, we're like, what the hell, you know? And, and honestly, when you, that first happens to you, you think bear is kind of a natural thing you fall back on. Cause we're hunters and we see a lot of bear. Uh-huh. And, um, so we're like, what are we gonna do? Well, let's throw on our pants and grabbed our guns, our pistols. Uh-huh. And we're like kind of doing the, we got our pants on real quick and we're doing the one, two, three, unzip the tent, you know, run out. Sure try to time it where we're both running out. And we literally did that. And I went around one side of the tent. He went around the other. We got super bright flashlights. We're yelling, hey, bear, hey, bear. Nothing, nothing running away. Um, No sounds whatsoever. We have the bright lights. We're hitting the woods all around us. Nothing. Never saw any eye shine. Um, You know, and and I can say when you hear a bear run away, and, and a bear usually would if you come out of the tent yelling and screaming and sure. that there, you're going to hear a bear. Run. You've heard a bear run through the woods. They make a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can be stealthy coming in, uh-huh. but if they're spooked and they run, they're just cracking sticks and, oh. and making a lot of noise. So nothing. And that was, that was the point where we, we had to have a, a talk. And, uh, I think that was like the fifth night that happened. I wish I would have wrote all this down at the time. I didn't have a journal or anything like that. Sure. And we were hunting, so we weren't really look. I wasn't looking for Bigfoot right. at the time. But that's when it happens to you, though, you know, when you least <laughs> yeah. expect it. And uh, so we had a talk, and I said, well, what are we going to do? You know, we, we honestly, we'd had two nights of no sleep. We were stressed out, lack of sleep, and we were just tired, you know, burnt out. And, you know, we were, what are we going to do? Do we want to stick around one more night and sleep with our clothes on and our, our guns on our chest right? and try again, storm out again and see what happens. I mean, it was obvious to me, and I think it became obvious to, to Rob, my buddy, that they, they were pressuring us to leave. They didn't want us there. Yeah. They're trying to chase us out. And uh, again, I have pictures of all this stuff. Um, and then, so anyways, we had the talk and we said, God, I'm just so tired. I need a good night's sleep. And we only had one night left of the week. So that must've been like the sixth night. And, uh, we decided to go to my father-in-law's cabin at Priest Lake just to get a good night's sleep. So before we left, we zipped everything up tight. Uh, My buddy left a lantern on in the tent on low and those lanterns can burn for, you know, 24 hours or longer on a low setting. Okay. And, uh, we went and got some sleep. We came back the next morning and the tent was zipped up about eight, nine inches. (laughs) So something had come in and manipulated that zipper and messed with the tent. Oh, but, uh, 
Yeah, that's not going to be um, there. I hope I can. I hope I conveyed that story. Also, well, but it was rant because I've heard this story so many times. Uh huh. And I'll remind you, Nate. Uh, game cams and Rob's something happened to Rob in the tent too. Oh yeah, yeah. I always forget parts of this story. I, um, I, I what what happens? I tend to rush through it. I've told it so many times, but. At some point in there, before the growls, my buddy Rob said he woke up in the middle of the night, and uh, he he's heard a or I don't know if he saw it, but he heard what sounded like a stick being drugged across the tent, like the whole tent, all the way around to his side, like right across his head. Oh. And he he said he didn't wake me up because he was just he wanted to hear it, like what what was going on. He wanted to see if he could hear footsteps or anything. He said he didn't, and he never did wake me up, so I didn't witness that. But uh, and then I gotta say, and thanks for reminding me, Corey. We actually. But we still had a couple nights left, I think, or maybe one day left. And we set up our two game cams. We had to move them from another spot. We put one behind the tent, and then we put one kind of in the middle of camp. Uh, actually, this was before that big tree fell over. And the reason I remember that is because I thought we should have caught that big tree being pushed over because it was kind of in front of the, the game cam. Uh-huh. And uh, Rob, that next morning, sorry, I have to back up here. I, I didn't tell it correctly. The next morning, when we got up to look at that tree, Rob's like, oh, the game cam. So he uh, he went up to check it, and there was a – I'm not kidding on this. It sounds crazy. There was a dead moth placed backwards over the eye of the camera. Oh, my God. Uh, the lens of the camera, of that of that game cam. That's... And then we checked the one behind the tent, Brent, and it was just like white, milky pictures, like it malfunctioned. So oh. it took pictures. Something set it off. Right, but it didn't take any good pictures, and we'd had some pictures before that of squirrels and maybe wow. a coyote and stuff. On, I mean, the cameras, and we still use those cameras; they still work. Wow! So that there, I go about to the uh, they manipulate cameras somehow that, right. that I don't understand. But I mean, you talk to multiple researchers. Rich, I'm good friends with Rich Germo, and he did a lot of research with cameras. Okay, in fact, he got DNA off a camera for the Melba Ketchum's. DNA study. He was one of the contributors in part of that study, but he's had cameras ripped off, turned 360 on trees. Um, he actually he actually has some pics of, of something that uh, you know he claims it is Sasquatch, and I believe him. It's they're on the uh, um, oh he was co-founder of the Olympic Project. Oh, and I, I believe those pictures are still on their website. Okay, of Rich's uh, game cam pics. Your audience could go check those out, but. He, he had some pretty good success with them, but he finally gave up because it was so frustrating. Yeah. They'd, uh, they'd you know, they'd ma- manipulate the cameras, uh, ruin his cameras, all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, there's uh, there's something going on there with the cameras. Somehow they can uh, – and I've heard them th- that they'll drain oh, – well, Rich had that happen. He had uh, brand-new batteries put in, like lithium, the best batteries you could buy. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember where this is at, and he put a couple up, and I think both of them drained immediately. Wow. Like within a half a day, we're gone. The, the the batteries didn't work. So, you know, I don't know. Can they can they drain batteries too? And I've heard that before from other researchers sure. and encounters and stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of weirdness to this subject too. And you know, that's why I don't think it's an ape or an animal. You know what I think is amazing to me and really denotes a, a huge intelligence is as you're telling the story, I'm thinking. My God, that's 
it's like psychological warfare. It's so brilliant. Yeah. The way that they continue to come at you in, in calculated manners, in, in ways to keep you from resting, to keep you from getting comfortable, to keep you on edge. And, you know, yes. it's, it's incredibly psychological, which is more, you know, I mean, animals will harass you, but you know, it'll reach a point and it'll be done. But this is something right. that continued and continued, and and it wasn't just one method of you know to keep you guys on edge. It was several. It was like psychological mm-hmm. exactly. psychological warfare. That's yep. really very it, uh, impressive. You know, well, that's, that's it, Brent. You nailed it. They they just wore us out basically, uh, physically and mentally, yeah. to, to where we finally just gave up that last night. Go ahead, Cor. I mean, the other thing, as far as like the argument, if they're or are they just an ape or an animal or something more is you look at, let's say bears, they have one bad experience with a human. Mm. And then from then on, they catch a scent of a human and they're gone. Right. Or a cougar, they treat cougars just for that reason. Yeah. And then cougars are gone. That, that gets the cougar out of there. Sure. But it's like, it's, there's more, there's an intelligence that's completely different. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's absolutely strategic. It's just it's with a like a military precision. It's just like wow, I was just blown away by what you just shared. That's incredible. I wish oh, I would appreciate there. that, Brent. Yeah, that's really powerful. Stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it was quite an experience, and and you know, of course, I was a believer. This was just a, oh gosh, what is it, twenty twenty one now? So I guess it's four years ago. But so I'd already been doing it for about four years before mm-hmm. that. So. You know, to me, I knew after that tree was pulled up, I, I kind of knew what I thought it was. And then, you know, as it went on and got worse each day and night, you know, I knew what it was. And my buddy's a believer now because he can't explain any of that stuff. He tried, he's he's one of those guys that tries to debunk everything. Sure. Right. Yeah. Which is good. You want to do that. And and I was going to say earlier, we don't just run to Sasquatch on everything. We, we, we always try to debunk stuff first, but stuff like that and, and other things that have happened to us, you can't, you just can't explain it. Can't explain it away. Right. Wow. So, and that's when it really hits home. And that's what, that's what got me hooked is, is there's something, it's the search, the quest to find answers on there's, there's something going on, Brent. There's a cover up. Um, our government or our, our powers that be aren't telling us they're, they're not letting us in on this knowledge of these beings. Mm. You know, they are a being, they're an upright humanoid. Mm-hmm. And there, there's got to be a big, bigger reason for that. You know, they're, they're hiding something from us big. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like the UFO, even though they're coming out now with the UFO stuff slowly. I, I don't know that they're going to, there's right. going to be disclosure on Sasquatch. There's something big to this that right. they're hiding from us. And part of me is pissed off because I think people deserve to know when they take their families to these places and their little kids. Right. And, you know, we could go off on the missing 411 thing and, I'm not saying that's all Sasquatch. I think some of it could be, but just the right for people to know what they're going into in the woods, and and then again, I think there's more to it. There's there they have they have special abilities. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we had them at one time as humans. There's and the government can't control them really, and yeah. and you know our government's all about controlling us as i think a lot of people would agree sure so that there's something to it that that's they're hiding that's that's really big and i i can't put my finger on it but yeah if I, but then the, the, i was going to say the other part of me is like maybe i don't want disclosure because then it takes the fun away from 
what we're doing, right? Because <laughs> if they do say, yeah, these things are real, they exist, then you're going to have everyone going out there looking for them, try to get a glimpse of one. Right. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword, uh, but go ahead. I mean, it's also, you could, you could argue that and say, you disclose it, no one's going to be going out there. You think so? <laughs> yeah. Depending on what they are. <laughs> yeah. I, I, That's I, a good I, point. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I mean, if I had to bet money on it, I would say, because we don't know, I would say they're either something spiritual that leads to answers of like almost like undeniable proof that maybe the Bible's real, you know, mm-hmm. just like this un- unequivocal, you, you'd almost have to accept it. And that causes a problem or they're something extraterrestrial. Sure. And they're part of that. I think that's the two most reasonable explanations in my yeah and if they are another race of if they are another race of humans brent and Corey, i mean it changes everything changes our history books it changes science Mm -hmm. um it just it changes everything we've been taught and we know so maybe that's part of it too Um, you know it's hard to say man i i i I, i'm with it is because there's so many questions and and that the with as with anything else the more that we think we know, the more questions we need answered then. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, Isn't that true? Yeah. yeah, it really is. And yeah, guys, this is some really powerful stuff. And, and I really, I love this discussion because of course, you know, there's so many questions. There's so much that we can throw into the idea pool. And that's what this show is all about is discussing ideas and I, I really appreciate you guys making the time to come on the show. And I know we're planning on doing a second show as well about other paranormal stuff, which is awesome. But uh, I, I want to give you guys the time to let everybody know how to stay in touch with what you're doing with the Washington, Idaho Bigfoot Search Group. Yeah, sure. Corey, you want to take that one? Yeah, absolutely. So we really right now we, we do have a website. Um, it's kind of in the works. And we also have a Facebook group mm-hmm. called Washington Idaho Bigfoot Search. You can find that. And then we also have a page, and there's links to the page in the group. And I believe there's links to the group in the page, too. But the page is just all our stuff. So anything we find, you know, we can only go out there a few months every year because the places we go, it gets so snowy in the winter that you can't you can't get your rig up there. Mm. So we, we only have this kind of short window to do stuff and so you know we post everything we 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 will post every all our stuff on the group too but if you just want to find our stuff that's the page or encounters that people share with us you know stuff like that the group anyone can post um everyone's welcome so and we also do have a youtube channel and that's just um videos we make when we do go up go go out and research and that's fairly new so we don't have we have maybe four videos but we're going to keep making more and i'm sure we'll get better over time at it we're kind of new to that stuff but um yeah that's how you how you can get in touch with us very cool yeah i, I want to uh definitely check those out and uh what is the the youtube uh how can people it's, find you on youtube it's the same it's what? just watching i know bigfoot search i think it's wibs Wibs. I okay. tried to just make it Wibs because I feel like that's easier. <laughs> yeah. But if, if it doesn't pop up with Wibs, try Washington Idaho Bigfoot Search. Too. Okay. 
Well, fantastic, guys. Or you can go, or Brent, if if you go to the page, you'll find our videos on there too, and you can click on it from there, and it'll take you to the YouTube. Obviously, it's a link. Okay. So that's the other way to find it. So really, the key to finding us is our page because it's all our original stuff, all our original reports, or some have been shared with us, not all ours, but. Um, yeah, so find us there. And from there, I think you can figure it all out. And we're working on a website, like Corey said, that'll be done soon. And uh, it's almost done now. And I want to mention too, we, uh, we picked up a new member here recently, Aaron West. And he's a great guy. I think you know him, Brent. Uh And, uh, he, he brings a great perspective and he's, he's a good, he's a good researcher and, and, um, yeah, so he brings a lot to the team. We're excited to have him. And I just thought I'd throw that out there because he is our newest member. Very cool. Yeah, I, I really, yeah. I, I really hope we can keep get, keep having you guys come on to the show because obviously with the big, oh we'd love to with the Bigfoot stuff we could talk endlessly for shows and shows and shows and and I'm sure the same is going to be true for the other topics. But you guys have been amazing. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll get we'll get the next appearance dialed in and get you guys back as quick as we can. Brent, we really appreciate you having us on. It's it's an honor to uh, and to to support a, a local. One of, one of our local friends, too. It's a big deal. So um, please send us the link when, when you put this show up. All right, brother. You so we can, if, if you don't mind, we'll share it on our page and stuff, oh, too. No, I'd be honored. Thank you. I, I would love that. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash radio. As well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Paranormal Portal, P-O-R-T-L. And uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. we got hundreds of shows, Journeys into the Paranormal Portal. So I hope you'll check it, check it out, guys. We're over there at YouTube.com slash Paranormal Portal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So we love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day and remember to laugh as much as you can.